Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Thor, Love and Thunder. Directed by Taika Waititi, Thor, Love and Thunder is the superhero film based on the Marvel Comics character Thor, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Disney. The movie is in cinemas now, but if you haven't seen Thor, Love and Thunder yet, and you want to, go watch it before listening to our review. We will be talking spoilers. Thor, Love and Thunder is the sequel to Thor Ragnarok and the 29th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Jason, you have the plot. Picking up after the events of Avengers Endgame, Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth, is on a quest for inner peace. But his retirement is interrupted by a galactic killer known as Gore the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale, who seeks the extinction of the gods. To combat the threat, Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie, Tessa Thompson, Korg, Taika Waititi, and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, Natalie Portman, who wields his magical hammer, Mjolnir, as the mighty Thor. Together, they embark upon a harrowing cosmic adventure to uncover the mystery of the God Butcher's vengeance and stop him before it's too late, as you do. You know, before we get into the movie, I thought it worth crediting the comics, because this film is actually based on Jason Aaron's Thor comics, where Thor encounters Gore, the God Butcher, and suffers a crisis of faith, and where Jane Foster claims Mjolnir and takes the title of Thor. Both plot lines are separate in the comics, but are combined in this film. And yes, there's two writers credited to this film, one being Taika, but so much of the story does come from this comic or these series of comics. That was a good place to start. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, we will get into, uh, I guess, both those storylines. But do you know what? Just straight away, like, I was not actually sure if they were going to do the, um, you know, like the cancer storyline. But um, yeah, they went fully embracing the source material and, and going into it. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to that when we talk Jane Foster and, and all things Mighty Thor. Yeah, I've got to be honest, I was surprised that they adapted the cancer storyline as well. I mean, before seeing this movie and what's been happening in other recent Marvel films, TV series, I was thinking maybe Mighty Thor is a variant and not actually the Jane Foster we know from those first two films. But yeah, they've adapted... Yeah, that- that, that storyline. Yeah, that wouldn't have been a bad guess. All the multiverse talk and stuff like that. Um, I guess, surprisingly, I mean, zero multiverse talk in this movie, I guess, from memory. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, there's no multiverse yeah, nothing, I don't talk. Think. I've heard some criticism of people saying that outside of Thor, there's not enough wider MCU connections. And one, I'm like, but it doesn't really need to be. Like these films can have characters having standalone adventures, but it also opens with Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a pretty <laughs> nod to the wider MCU, isn't it? Like, what are people talking about? There's like references littered everywhere in everything. Like, maybe I think maybe Moon Knight was probably the least connected, but even then. Anyway. Do you know when when we see Zeus and all the gods, am I right in thinking that at the very end of that scene, there's two celestials outside? Yes. Yeah, okay. the big thing with like the six 
eyes or the eight eyes or whatever it is, the like the big circle eyed things kind of looks like Galactus. Isn't it a Galactus? It's, yeah, I mean, so, okay. that's, that's stuff we saw if, in Eternals. I was going to say, if people want wide MCU connections, there you go. They're referencing Eternals. Everybody's favorite no, MCU there's, film. <laughs> there's, there's so much stuff. And of course, in this movie, like, there's just so much stuff. Strong opening. Strong opening with Christian Bale as Gore, the God Butcher. He's praying to his God. His daughter dies. This is a dark opening for an MCU film. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Outside of Thor, when he's not being a dick and he's being heroic, I kind of see where Gore's <laughs> coming from. The gods of the MCU are not very nice, are they? I mean, yeah. I mean, even the even the ones that we're supposed to like, you know, like Odin, he obviously had his flaws and stuff like that. And, and you know, like the, I mean, not as much as I guess some of the gods that we see in this movie. Um, but of course, like Thor himself, all the way back from when we first were introduced to him, um, you know, cocky, um, you know, just ready fighting uh, fighting and war is the answer to everything and, and it's it, yeah you know like you know he, he was definitely flawed but yeah like the the gods that they have in this movie are very much more just like uh laid back you know like we exist purely for our own benefit and humans and well not so much humans but every life form below them is is basically not worth anything so yeah look there's a lot of um I guess as a, the standpoint of where Gore, Gore is coming from in this film, I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's cool. And But can I just say right now, it's like, I think Gore is the best part of this movie. Yeah. And like, yeah, I was going to say. open with him. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the most part, like, like you get where he's coming from. And I, you know, the, it's, we always say this, the, the best villains are the ones where it's like, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm kind of siding with you on this one like yeah the gods are dicks he has the power to get rid of them all he probably doesn't really need to there's no real actual need for it but i mean like he had well, his it's, face it's, it's um, revenge there's he's, heavy stuff here yeah, yeah. he's turned isn't he he's, he, he's been corrupted by the curse the sword so it's not like and it's him, the, and it, yeah and it's, it's a place not, of loss as well it is it is but it's not like him suddenly like deciding that he's going to be evil and use the sort of evil he is being corrupted like the is being cursed by the sword i agree with you christian bale is the best thing about this whole film and i've been reading some interviews with him and he was being asked about the the mcu and he said he's seen one of them a purple guy looking for stumps that was his <laughs> that was his response so i like how uninvested he is and i think that just adds so much to it he's there as a working actor to do a job and it's christian bale the guy's not capable of a bad performance and he is giving a solid one here and you're right you're buying to the character and and you do feel for him so it starts with him having such loss and then we see thor <laughs> a very different Thor because we've seen this character grow 
Like, he's not the Thor we were first introduced to in that first movie. And at one point, it did throw me a little bit because this is a cocky, uh, juvenile bro Thor. And I'm like, oh, I thought he'd grown and done this. But I guess he's going through a midlife crisis. So, yes, we've seen growth in the character, but now he's going to be off the rails again because of everything that we've we've seen him go through. So it opens up with him wearing a vest over his T-shirt with jeans, and he's just having a great time and carelessly trying to save some aliens and destroys their place of worship. The Guardians are in the film for like a minute. And you know we've got Korg doing the narrating, and he's talking about Thor and the legends of Thor. Honestly, what I thought was going to be happening, when we get past that narration... The portrayal of the Guardians, more so Star-Lord, I thought it was going to be a case of maybe Thor recounting the events of that battle because this Star-Lord in this film, for me, is different to any other version of Star-Lord we've had by Chris Pratt. So I was under the impression that it wasn't even truly Star-Lord, that Thor was putting words in his mouth. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you got that as well, I mean, I know he eventually I mean, leads yeah. to saying to Thor what he wants to hear so they can take the ship and leave Thor behind. But even before then, I don't know, it just seemed a bit out of character for Star Lord for me. I, I think Star Lord changed a lot when we saw him in, in Infinity War and then obviously briefly in Endgame because um, all of the development and stuff that he had gone through in that second Guardians film, you know, all the stuff with his father and, and, and stuff like, you know, like he ended in a very mature place, basically to actually really be the leader of that, of that team. Um, I mean, look, there's not much with them in this movie that I think we can really take or read too much into. Um, at the end of the day, you know, like it's not James Gunn at the helm of these characters in this film. I mean, there's nothing that be... breaks, yeah. nothing breaks any, there's no break in consistency or, or continuity or anything like that with these characters. Um, I, I don't know, maybe because Gamora's not there, that he's a little bit more. It seemed very different to me. And, and you've said it, James Gunn, maybe him not being involved because, you know, Guardians are his. I mean, obviously he didn't create them originally in the comics, but on film, how we yeah, these know the Guardians to be, it started with, with James Gunn. I don't know. Maybe it's just me then. It sounds that you don't agree with me, but I just, yeah, Star-Lord was very I, different yeah, in this. No, I mean, I think there's there's something to what you're saying. I don't think it's um, dramatic enough to be too concerned over it. I mean, the thing that baffled me was sort of <laughs> seeing, like, because where we left Thor and Star-Lord, you know, at the end of Endgame, it was sort of like, oh, man, they're just going to be button heads. They're not, you know, like, they haven't really found that happy place yet. But because we've sort of jumped forward a little bit in time not too much but they've obviously had a few adventures together you know like in the little montage bit you kind of see that it's like oh look they're they're like mates they're like really good really good mates kind of thing i mean i know it's not probably 100 perfect but they seem like they're in a good place together which i'm like okay that's nice they've come i mean to they a, do but then yeah. i guess star lord was still happy to see the back of thor so you're gifting well, that's me it. my ship <laughs> Oh, yeah. hey, do you know what? This movie's got jokes. 
this movie has got so many notes. <laughs> Remember Ragnarok, where I mean, and this movie oh, yeah. still has serious moments as well. But Ragnarok, it was kind of it was a new thing, wasn't it? Like it did have stakes, but as well as Tiger's humor, it also had you know actors like Jeff Goldblum who were really funny, and there was a lot of humor in Ragnarok but it was balanced with everything else that was going on at like those big stakes in that film. And, and again, like this film does have a lot of stakes and it has some, you know, hard trials that Thor and other characters have to go through, but this has so much more humor, so many more jokes than what we got with, with Thor Ragnarok. And do you know what? This is not the film's fault. This was the audience I was in. Now I went to watch it Saturday morning, <laughs> right? I was yeah. probably at most one of maybe 30 people in the whole cinema, which generally surprised me. I thought it was going to be busier, but there was some women behind me. And when, when there were jokes in the film, they were laughing so loudly. And this one person in particular had this habit of laughing hard and then saying out loud what she was just laughing at. So as I'm watching the film, one, I generally didn't want it to be completely full of jokes, to be honest, but two, oh, wow. I didn't want this woman to be encouraged to laugh any more than she needed oh, to Oh, no. So when the film <laughs> a... was moving away from the jokes uh, for a while and it was getting more serious, I was like, oh, good. There's nothing for her to laugh at. I mean, <laughs> when the goats turn up, mate, she lost it. She absolutely <laughs> lost it. We've got Tooth Grinder and Tooth Nasher. Ca- uh, characters, goats from the comics, used in the comics as they are in the film. But these comics scream. And what I did know going into it, the voices of the goats, the screaming, is Taika Wahiti. That sounds about right. <laughs> so we're getting so many different variations on the screams. And there was an interview I saw with Hemsworth. And what would happen is, so he'd be on set. Taika would be over near the monitors, but they would add the screams in post. But just so Hemsworth had something to react to, <laughs> Taika had a megaphone and he would scream into it. That's brilliant. That's <laughs> that's what you, that, that's how you lead. That's how you lead right there. Yeah, I that's love how it. you do. But um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, what's your takeaway? Like, how do you feel about the the amount of jokes? Because I mean, there's no competition. I don't even need to go back and check. There's more jokes in this than any other MCU film. Yeah, um, I mean, first of all, I just want to address that. It's like, um, like I'm, I'm so sorry you had. I mean, it's what sounds like a kind of bad cinema experience because of your audience. But I guess, I guess it's not the movie's fault. Um, but I'm glad you acknowledge that she got better. <laughs> okay good good um look i don't know i don't know what it was because when we watched ragnarok and i know we both sort of agreed maybe on different sort of levels but it was like ragnarok had this thing where it was like something we were just like where is this humor coming from this is on the back of you know like we had had the first two thor movies obviously very i guess like you know very uh, <laughs> grounded is not the word but sort of you know it's it wasn't wacky and bonkers. It was like, it was, you know, just very straightforward. It was very straightforward. And hey, I guess people didn't really gravitate towards that. But then 
you know, you know, following like Guardians of the Galaxy and, you know, where we get kind of all this cosmic stuff and it's all a little bit crazy and bonkers. That was kind of the excuse or the pass I gave Ragnarok for that humor. You know, we were going into, into more cosmic kind of spacey stuff. The Grandmaster, obviously, that environment, there's a whole, you know, oh, space is actually really, really weird. And it kind of gives a doorway for that humor. And even in Ragnarok, Thor was at least still, you know, he had a few moments and stuff, but he himself was quite the straight man. In this, though, I mean, yeah, they, like, every character is embracing, except Gore, um, every character is essentially embracing the humour and being, uh, a, like, a, a vehicle for the humour to, to come through. There's a lot of it. And like you said, probably the most in any MCU film, if we were to say one like this was a comedy i mean i i I couldn't argue against it like this is the i think the first one that really does i know we we've said previously like ragnarok or you know even like the ant-man films uh, you know like like oh we're borderline you know kind of comedy this really is it's it's in that category how i feel about it though i think because i knew like i was prepared because because of Ragnarok that I was like I know I'm gonna get the humor I knew this movie was gonna have it so I feel like it wasn't a shock to me maybe I I probably wasn't expecting the level or the amount of humor and there's moments where 100% I was like there shouldn't be humor here and it should have been dialed back but I mean what can I say I was actually having such a good time in terms of just enjoyment in the yeah. moment, watching the movie, just having a laugh. I think I just let it all just wash over me and I was just like, I'm just going to enjoy it. Again, I think that's because I was mentally prepared for it. Yeah, um, and I, if we yeah, had never yeah. seen Ragnarok and this was the first, I would have been like, what the actual F is Too this? jarring. Ragnarok but I think, yeah, needed exactly. first. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, this isn't my rating or nothing, but I, I mean, I think... Well, since obviously watching it and looking back on it, and I think when I revisit it again in future, I'm probably going to feel different about it because, I mean, the jokes aren't going to all land some time round. Um, and when I want to get myself more invested in the story, you know, upon future viewings, I'm like, the humour is going to be a very annoying part of the movie. Then I'm just like, just like... I almost want to push it aside and be like, just let me be in the movie because there is once again, a lot of like dramatic stuff going on and very serious things. And when you get moments with like Gore doing his very, you know, like he's quite creepy and like, there's a lot of stuff to it. And then there's moments with characters and we're talking about feelings and there's a lot of thematical stuff um, in terms of like, you know, you know, like the inner workings of, a person and what their purpose is and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's, there's an emotional thing to this movie, but a lot of it is just brushed over by the humor. And that's disappointing in a way, but again, doesn't take away from the fact that it's like, I was sitting there laughing like an idiot. <laughs> um, hopefully not as annoying as that woman you had, but <laughs> well, that's it. That's me. I yeah. just had a good time with it. I mean, it's fair to say it's a comedy first superhero film second the comedy does outweigh everything else but i think it brought like the humor also 
Yeah, I was going to say, but the other things in there, like it does get dark. You know, it is talking about feelings, experiences. And yeah, I mean, talking about some of the dark scenes when the Asgardian children are taken by the shadow monsters. Yeah, pretty creepy. <laughs> pretty yeah. creepy. And that's what I'm saying. Like tonally, it is all over the place. Like, And it's there's elements of this film that I reckon my kids would like. But then there's other elements where, no, not so much. Yeah. Whether it's story points, visuals, um, orgies, you know, you don't actually see them, but they're brought up a number of times. <laughs> so, Dad, what's an orgy? So there's so many, like, you know, the yeah, end of the movie, which that. we won't get to <laughs> now. My kids would love that, like where this film ends. Like anyway, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. We'll well, talk about it, at okay. the end, yeah, right at the end, but we'll, we'll leave that. The music, let's talk about the music then. First off, I've looked online to find this and I can't find it anywhere. The electro version of the Marvel Studios logo. That theme is fantastic. I thought this was so cool. <laughs> yeah. No, Honestly, is... nowhere. Like from that find it. from that opening scene with Gore and then and then the 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 Marvel Studios like fanfare with the with the, with the electric rock like guitar playing. I was like, holy shit. What are we in for? And then jokes. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> we had a really strong start, and I think that just kicked off like that really like that metal tone of what this movie really could have been. There's moments in this film where you know, like because of like the soundtrack and stuff like that, like we we get these pretty cool epic moments, and it's like Thor just like kicking ass. There's thunder and lightning and all sorts in between. And it's like, yes, he's a cool scene and awesome action. But again, it's going back to Ragnarok and what worked there, doing a lot more of that. Whether it's the jokes or the music, we've got Zeppelin, the immigrant song, used twice and to great effect in Ragnarok. This movie, so much Guns N' Roses, which again... It's great like, songs. I'm not I mad really, at it. I'm not mad at really, it. Yeah. I know, but again, it's like, oh, that works. Let's do more of that. So we get Sweet Child of Mine, Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, November Rain. We also get Abba, Enya. Ah, oh, so so many songs. Like it's got to be. Them, I was yeah. going to say the most, but no, yeah, Guardians it, has it beat. A lot. <laughs> it's a lot of songs. <laughs> but at least with Guardians, like it was like it was sort of all different type of music as well which kind of created a pretty magical kind of mix where this is all again very cool songs but you know they're all kind of in the same realm of of genre i mean it not is 100 but it's like yeah no they're all can you remember iron man 2 acdc almost start to finish so much akadaka i mean yeah that's film. true yeah that's true but I get it. It was the character of Tony <laughs> Stark yeah. listening to ACDC, and we experienced that as the audience. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, where is where is this music coming from? The film score comes courtesy of composers Michael Giacchino and Nami Melumad. Melumad is the first female to score within the Star Trek franchise, composing for Star Trek Prodigy, most recently Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and now Thor Ragnarok. The score itself, no issues with it. Um, I don't think I paid that 
uh, too much attention on this um, first viewing. So it will be something I'll probably need to check out again to give an actual <laughs> firm opinion yeah. on it. I but wonder. It, I wonder sounded, who did. it sounded like it worked. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder who did the Marvel Studios thing. I wonder if that was either Giacchino or Melumad, because I really do want to get that. It's hard to walk away from this film and not think Guns N' Roses. That's the only music I can remember outside of the, the Marvel Studios logo. <laughs> Gotta say, it's been a massive year for Giacchino. It's his fourth film after the Batman, Lightyear, Jurassic World Dominion. No wonder he had another composer with him on this one. Yeah, he was like, I need a friend. Uh, I, need, <laughs> I need an assistant. To, nah, I'm not going to say that's his assistant. But um, no, nah, you just need a partner to <laughs> keep him on top of it. It's a good point. I thought The Mighty Thor was excellent. Start to finish. Yeah. I like the character in the comics. And yeah, works well in the movie. She has a great costume. A lot better than the one worn by Thor for most of the film. You know, the horrible, over-designed, mash of blue, red and gold. Did not like that at all, especially when he stood beside her. She looks amazing. But um, he does get a few costumes. The opening one was pretty cool, where it was more Viking era. I quite liked that. Um, But anyway, Mighty Thor, Jane Foster... Yeah, so as you say, it was the cancer storyline and she was using the hammer, but it was stopping the chemo from working. So it was slowly killing her. I don't remember it being this way in the comics, but I like in the film that unknowingly Thor blessed the hammer or he said for it to protect her and she was dying from cancer and it was doing just that. So it's not a case of the hammer working for anybody. He made it so it would. He just didn't realise what he was doing, I guess. Yeah, so she's not necessarily worthy. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, that's the thing. I went on a bit of like a, a bit of like an up and down with how I felt about this. Um, she, like She looks great um, in the, in her Thor kind of get up. Um, the long blonde hair, like everything about it, like pretty, pretty epic. And she's kicking ass. Like when she's when she's in like action scenes, like she's doing a great job. Um, she holds, she wields that hammer well. It's good. Um, I like that they were doing the the, the cancer story because I was like, that's ballsy. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure they'll shy away from it. They'll come up with some other reason to to make it. And I was interested to see what would happen. But I was like, okay, I like that. I I didn't like how um, you know, when you have her sort of like with the pieces of Mjolnir and then it's like, it's implied that's, you know, something's going to happen. And then the next time you see her, she's been in New Asgard for a while. She's in a get up and it's all about Thor's reaction to her. And I kind of want to know like how, I just feel like there's a whole thing missing where it's like, like how, how did she adapt to her new powers like how does she embrace it how does she actually feel about it she's just very giddy when we see her she's just like i'm having fun and this is going on i'm, I'm good and i, I get it. like it's a new zest of um you know life in her you know 
yeah, considering her very unfortunate circumstances, very life-changing. Um, but yeah, I, I kept going up and down because I was like, in the back of my head, I was like, why has she been able to have this, like these powers? And we're like, why has this happened? And then obviously we get the reason and I'm like, okay, cool. That's cute. That's nice. Is it a good enough reason? It's it's fine and it works and it's justified. I'm like, maybe they could have done something better. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, with, I, I agree with, with you there. I agree. With her character though, I'm, I'm like, with her character, I felt like she was, and again, we can use the fact that she's pretty much on on death's door. She's very, very sick. You know, like there's not really much coming back. From, you know, well, what would have been if she had just kept up with the chemo and it was working? Um, and maybe we can use that as a, uh, as a reason for why her character is like this now. But I just felt like from those first two movies, and yes, it's been a few years, and yes, there's a bit of a montage with like a lot of stuff we didn't see you know, like their relationship on earth and, and stuff like that. But I just felt like this is a brand new reinvention of this character. That can be a good thing if people were like, eh, she's pretty boring and bland. And now she's all wacky and fun and crazy. But much like a lot of the other characters in this movie, she's used as a tool for the humor, which, you know, a lot of it's working. But I think it's the sacrifice on the other hand there is that, that she's, she's kind of dumbed down as a character she does come up with some solutions for, and, and planning in terms of what they're doing to progress the plot and like you know eventually save the day and stuff which is good but like that very smart intelligent powerful in her own right sort of astrophysicist character from those first two thor movies i'm like this isn't that same character this is just the chick that looks like it no <laughs> you know? i don't know do you agree I, with- no i don't and I'm glad because you disagreed with me earlier about the Star Lord. Yes. Um, yeah, no. Damn straight. And we'll keep fighting. Okay, it's definitely a continuation, but she was facing mortality. And then we saw what happened to her mum when she was a kid. And science failed her. So she was looking to alien Viking science. I agree with you that there's a big chunk missing about her learning how to use the powers. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a six-part Disney Plus TV series, The Mighty Thor, would not be surprised at all. I thought maybe the character would stick around and be a new Avenger, you know, with all the other heroes that are being introduced. But she ends up in Valhalla. She dies. She makes the ultimate sacrifice. I've lost track of how many times characters have come back from the dead in comics. Wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> something happens for her to return from Valhalla. Maybe when Chris Hemsworth has had enough and he no longer wants to play Thor. At the moment, he very much wants to continue, but that could change. I mean, there's room for two Thors, a mighty Thor and a Thor Odinson. I thought it was I thought it was really good. I really did. The use of the, the hammer, uh, Mjolnir, when she throws it, it breaks into pieces takes down multiple opponents and reforms, I thought was fantastic. That's actually pretty cool. Like yeah, a shotgun. I'm, yeah, like. I love that. That was like the first moment of the film. Where I'm like, oh, wow. That was like, that was really cool. I don't know. I thought they handled her well. I mean, this is a two-hour film. Apparently, they shot a four-hour film. But coming in at two hours, it's the shortest MCU film for a while. So there could be more things that they shot and well they have obviously shot it and just decided to streamline it and, and it's the film that we've got so maybe there is more mighty thor 
footage out there that they could re repurpose at a later date. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt like just a very dramatic... And again, it, it played well when we have that that moment, you know, in the in the town with and thoughts like, like Jane and, you know, like the, uh, he's calling for his hammer and all that. And it's just like she's there. And I just felt like it was just so rapid, just so rapid. Yeah. Like, okay, and now the joke. She's a, an established hero. You're right. And, yeah. and the jokes. Like, Everybody's oh, got jokes. Her thing is that she wants to catch you know, She keeps the creepy, the creepy weird. Yeah. See, that it's that kind of thing where I'm like, like she's an intelligent woman. She should just, if she's going to own the fact that she's now got the powers of Thor, she should just own it and just do it. Like, why has she become like this goofy little thing? And the answer okay. is because okay. she's. Yeah, I, I'm in starting this to, movie with yes, this tone. I'm, yes, yeah. I'm starting to come around to what you were saying before. Again, it's like, like. Don't um, get me wrong, though. She's. When you're watching a sitcom, in everybody's funny. That's not real I mean, life. You just wait till we get to you just wait till we get to Tessa Thompson and Sif, man. You just wait. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, um, well, look, we get, but before we get to those other kind of characters, like Cat Dennings pops up in this um, a nice little quick moment with um, with Jack. Yeah, you know when she's receiving some of her chemo, and you know they have a. So it's good to have her back. I guess we get Jane Foster, so we also get um, Darcy Lewis back as well, which is good. Plus a bonus little cameo from Eric Selvig, which is cool. Again, On just the sort of yeah. reminding us of those <laughs> Thor films that came before. <laughs> yeah, so good. So that's like, yeah, oh, yeah, they were they were nice things. Nice little cameos. And as you say, Jamie Alexander returns as Sif because she wasn't in Ragnarok when the Warriors 3 were all murdered. No, she was conveniently off planet at the time. Yeah. And I think she was, um, yeah. I think in reality, she was busy shooting a TV series. So that saved her life or <laughs> saved the life yeah, of that... Sif. And, and, and even, even when she's facing Valhalla, she's facing death and she's had her arm cut off and she's lying there. Thor's got jokes. And it's like, technically... Do you, know, no, you, do you know what's worse than Thor having jokes in this moment? What? Sif has jokes. Oh, they've all got jokes. Sif. It's a sitcom. I like... <laughs> like, Sif is the one character, I think, out of everyone. If anyone's going to not have jokes, it should be Sif. Because she has not expressed any sort of humorous bone in her body every time we've seen her on screen anywhere in the MCU. Even when she was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nothing. Just nothing. Just <laughs> good call. And for her to be lying there with her, like her, you know, like she's, she's, she's essentially from what we think, like she's about to die. She's missing an arm. Like her arm is gone. Like, and it's like because of Thor's joke. And then she's just like, oh shit. You know, like, it's like, no, that was, that was one time where I'm like, if you're going to take any jokes out in any scene in this movie, it had to have been that one, I reckon. That was the, this is the, the first part of the movie where I was like, nope nope that no that was a take that humor out that doesn't work i didn't yeah. like that at all that was no, that was I, the worst yeah i agree with you that was the worst like just not not with sif but good to see you back good to see you back there that's well let's let's move on and talk about some of the cameos on new asgard because there's more just as before what happens in ragnarok plus more well there's more here there's more more cameos returning. <laughs> we have Matt Damon, Sam Neill, Luke Hemsworth, 
But also we have Melissa McCarthy joining them as an actress playing Hella. Also, because they seem to do most things together, her husband, Ben Falcone, he plays the stage manager. Yeah, bad. Look, I'll be honest, like, big smile on my face when um, you got the Asgardian actors back back on... Um... Uh, back in this one, I was like, "Cool, fantastic." Um, they push it a bit by having, um, I think, yeah, Matt Damon a little bit later on in the like the town hall. Yes, like, being it's... like, "We have to do a new play. <laughs> We've got to." I'll start. You know, I'll, I'll round up the troops. You know, like, I've got to get it on. But big laugh when <laughs> Melissa McCarthy yeah. came out as as Hella. I was like, I don't know, but I was just like, "Yeah, cool, funny." It did work, but you know, it, it works, worked like... once before, it's worked again, but this has to be it, surely. They can't do it again in the next film. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it worked a second time, and I did like the addition of McCarthy as Hella. We've also got Daly Pearson reprising his role from the Team Thor series as Daryl, who is now working as a tour guide in New Asgard. And he's one of the guys behind Bluey, <laughs> like this the kids' TV yeah. series. Is he? He is. Yes. What What does he do? Like, like uh, on a creative side, or is I'm he? I'm pretty a... sure he's one of the creators on on the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's madness. Cool. Yeah, when I saw him, um, obviously, I like. I think I saw him when like James there, and he's sort of hanging around. I was like, Ugh. and then I was talking to my wife later on when we were driving home, and I was like, oh, dear. Like you know, talking about stuff, and I brought him up, and she was like, "What are you talking about?" Because she had never seen the the Team Thor little videos or three ah, of them. Um, but I mean, they're not they're not like canon type things. So I think his, I think this this person, this actor's sort of appearance in this movie is it's not actually a, a guy that Thor had lived with hanging no, out is. in Australia. That never, it is no, no, no but I mean, is. no, it is like he's is reprising the role from the shorts, like. He's playing the same character. He is playing double. It but is, like, yeah. But it's those the same shorts act- like never actually happened, though. Well, I I don't know, man. Like this no. is the it's the same actor, same character. It is Daryl from the shorts. Like that is who it is. Like he knew Thor. They were roommates, and now he's moved to New Asgard, where he's working as a tour guide. It's the same character. Nah, look, I I like to think it, like obviously it's the same actor, and they're saying Daryl. Cool. And because, you know, like that's that's sort of like the Easter egg joke kind of cameo thing. And I smiled when I saw him. But I don't actually believe that those Team Thor shorts were actual things that happened. Like, I don't think in canon, I don't think Thor lived in Australia at any point with this guy. I don't think the Grandmaster also lived with Daryl in this apartment. Thor's just made a whole movie in Australia. Why do you think there's so many Australians in this film? <laughs> there is so many, including Daily Pearson. I mean, yeah, I'm joking. I mean, of course, those one shots are just a little bit of fun and make Thor out to be sillier than how we get him in these films. But it's a little bit of fun. He is reprising his role of Daryl for those shorts. Yeah. Okay, I was worried there that you genuinely thought that those Team Thor things were like legit. Kind of, I, I was worried because I'm like, come on, man. But but cool. Okay, we're on the same page. It's, That's fine. No, but... It is a bit of fun, but anybody that has seen those shorts saying, hey, it's Daryl from the Team Thor shorts. But that's okay. And that's what yeah. I did. And it was funny. And I like seeing him. And 
I'm glad they put him in there. We're not fighting, man. Stop making it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Russell Crowe as Zeus. I've got to be honest about it. I don't remember him talking in the trailers, but I didn't know that Crowe was going to do this accent. I don't un- like. I don't understand this accent. I mean, I, mean- I, I get it, but I don't know if there's someone somewhere offended by this accent. I mean, Greek gods like like well, i know people from like ancient ancient greece athens kind of thing like olympians i mean i just don't think they would sound like you know the wog boy <laughs> like <laughs> i just i don't i don't know man <laughs> i don't think it's cool i don't think i don't know i'm unsure I, and Nobody's talking yeah. about it either. I guess I'm curious what what people think, but um, but it, it did catch me by surprise. I wasn't prepared for that. Well, I mean, if you look at like that choice of accent is not to be like authentic to like you know like the the culture or the dialect or whatever, however you want to, because obviously what they're trying to do is like, oh they're Greek, but it's like no, like what they're doing is like. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's like they're doing it for laughs. It's a because I mean, absolutely, yeah. Doing absolutely. that kind yeah. of Greek, I, I do in quotations, that kind of Greek accent is is they're doing it for laughs. Like because well, like most things in this movie, <laughs> pretty much <laughs> everything except gore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, this version of Zeus in like a more serious Marvel film, you're like, what is happening? <laughs> But the thing is, like, I mean, we had that god that you saw earlier, the one that, you know, an opening scene where, where god, where gore, this is hard, where god took him out. And it's, like, same sort of mannerisms, you know, like, just very, like, big, fat, like, you know, godly presence, you know, e- egotistical, big-headed, you know, all the, all the worst qualities. So it's like, okay, cool. Like similarities to that guy. That's the Zeus that we're getting. But do you know what? It would have been kind of cool to just see an all-powerful Zeus, you know, pretty like a brute, still an asshole, still cocky, cowardly, but a powerful brute. And what we got here was, again, everything was played for laughs, that it just took everything away from... But look, I'm sitting there and I'm laughing at this. I'm watching it and I'm having a good time and I'm like, ha And like, you know, Russell Crowe looks good. And, you know, when he walks down the, the steps and he does the thing with his like little skirt thing and I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm laughing. It's yeah. funny. It is. Yeah, but, yeah. Then I'm, but now I'm looking back and I'm like, oh, wow, they wasted Zeus. Like they made well, you, him. Well, you say thing. that. To my surprise, Thor seemingly kills Zeus. In that moment, I'm like, Hang on a minute. So our hero is now doing the exact same thing our villain is doing. I mean, I mean, granted, and- Gore kills a lot more gods than than Thor does in that moment. But I guess Thor is it's revenge, and he thinks Korg is dead. But it turns out <laughs> Korg's people, their mouths are the only parts that are alive, apparently. <laughs> you know what this was doing that to Korg. Just saved on CGI. Obviously, there's still CGI needed, but you don't have to do a full body. You just need I mean, that's, like that's, this. Um, that's true. When Valkyrie fastens Korg's head on the back of her head and ties her hair as if it's oh, his mustache. That's disturbing, <laughs> isn't it? 
it it is. But what I was going to say, Thor is well. Well, I was going to say what I was going to say is Zeus is seemingly killed. But then when we get to the mid credits scene, what we're getting there is a more serious Zeus. So I guess over the millennia, he just got got complacent and. And we're going to see a different side to him, hopefully, um, when the character no doubt pops up again. But we can we can save that for for the <laughs> in end a, in a different movie with a different tone. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, yes, yes. I mean, hopefully, I, hopefully I it doesn't pop want... up in like Ant Man or something. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to reference the the other actor that shares that mid credit scene with him just yet. The power of Thor. I'm sure, like me. You got a strong Shazam family vibe when all the kids have been taken. And yeah. I was thinking that, oh, this is just like Shazam. But at the same time, I loved it. And when you got the little girl with the bunny rabbit, and they really yeah. made you wait for her because she was seeing what all the other kids were doing. And then when it finally cut to her and she's spinning around and the lightning's coming out the bunny's eyes, brilliant. See, that's an example of like, it's something humorous that we're seeing, but it it, it it definitely works in terms of what's actually playing out. It's not, you know, it's not just characters being silly or acting a little bit dumb or just saying weird things. It's like she didn't want to, she didn't pick up anything else and it was sort of like whatever the kids were holding, that's their weapons, no matter what it was. So it works contextually in the story, logically, it's all there, but it's also funny because... Now this little girl has these Thor powers and <laughs> yeah. she's got a teddy bear that's like glowing and it's it's freaky. Um, but I mean, this scene is so unexpected, but it makes sense. And I guess established from the fact that it's like, hey, I mean, if, if Jane Foster can obviously be granted the powers of Thor, um, then that's obviously something that can be done. And Thor obviously has that power i guess even unintentionally when he when he you know sort of uh blessed meonia to make that happen um but i like that and it was it was that callback to like the original sort of you know thing that odin sort of spouted you know like those who wield blah 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 powers of thor or you know that whole wonderful thing it was cool and you know a little bit of silly fun but this worked. This really worked. Yes, it's just like absolutely because you see all these these kids and like to be these kids. Oh my god! Like these actors being like, "Yeah, I'm in this movie and I get to do the Thor jump." You know, I mean, he's they're diving and you got that bloody Axel kid who's like Heimdall's son. Big leap, the lightning and star. Pretty epic. So, but you know what? You just reminded me that scene where Thor is he's been taught by Heimdall out to astral project and he can communicate with Heimdall's son. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, he does it a couple of times, but then there's the time when he's like, he's trying to comfort the kids and then comically Hemsworth is just like touching his nose. And then you cut to what's really (laughs) happening to him in his body and Valkyrie is tickling his nose and you're like time and a place like this. Can't this just not have jokes for a minute? Do you know, like this, this is like he's trying to comfort the kids. Yeah. They're scared. They've been taken by shadow creatures. But were they, were the kids laughing at the fact that he was like brushing his nose or was it? Uh, I don't know. Nah, I, nah. No, I don't think, I don't think they were because it was just, 
weird that an adult was touching his nose in in such a way because <laughs> it was the audience so bad. Yeah. Oh, but it was um, it was jokes. But we we end up in eternity. We end up in eternity. We find out that Gore needs Stormbreaker to actually get to eternity. So it was all a trick for Thor to yes. come to him. And so this is the actual there. plot of the movie. Yes, yes. So outside of all the jokes, yeah, there is a plot. Mm. <laughs> and um... oh, dude, that scene—the scene with the where like there's no, like the what is it? The actual center of the of the universal order. Oh it is, yes, and it's like, yes. There's no light. There's, yeah, visually, really cool. I mean, at incredible. First it just looks yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it, we're in black and white. Like they've they've like reversed Wizard of Oz or whatever is going on here. Like yeah, yeah. But I'm then glad. it's like no. The yeah. bits of color from like whatever was you know like first you see the blue from like the cracks in Mjolnir and then when like Thor starts sort of lighting up and and all that kind of shit oh and the you know like Zeus's lightning rod thing and it was I don't know that was really cool yeah <laughs> I'm, like, I'm glad it's were lit up I'm glad you brought this up because I remember like in the trailers and the TV spots and you see black and white footage of gore. And I'm like thinking, is this just something they've cut together for the trailer? Like, how is this going to fit into the film? So again, like this film, it's just got everything, hasn't it? Like there's so much going on. Like there's elements of horror, action, comedy, romance. And then all of a sudden we get to this part of the film and it's like all of a sudden we're watching an art house film. <laughs> it's like, oh, I mean, wow. It seemed, I mean, it seemed like an art house film at first and then, Maybe it lent a little bit more into like Sin City, <laughs> which I guess maybe can be interpreted as a, a nut house film. But no, just visually, like, just very cool. Like, I was like, wow, this is this is nice. Like, I'm liking yeah. this. And then you know, we get a bit of uh, a bit of fight scene. Uh, the characters biffing on, which is which is cool and kind of freaky as well. You know, like Valkyrie's sort of taken, and then like Jane's attacked, and oh man, like it's all things were happening. It was, it was full on. And then what seems like, oh, shit, like they've lost. Uh, Gore has the has Stormbreaker. And now he can go do his thing. He can get to eternity and then make his make his wish. And that's it, to kill simultaneously all gods. Yes. That's what he's planning on doing. I but then... do feel like the knowledge, the knowledge of eternity and, and the wish that eternity can grant I feel like that does open a bit of a plot hole, though. Like, because Valkyrie and Thor seem to like very well rehearsed in what the deal is there. Um, Better remind you all of you know the thing that happened with the purple alien and the stones and the you know <laughs> the loss of life at that point in time for five years and the loss of life following. You know, there's there's just there's options. Not anymore, but like there, there were options then to just you know. Thor could have taken Stormbreaker and been like, yo, eternity, bring yeah, back. Well, yeah. yeah. What yeah. I instead of the time heist, <laughs> what I thought was going to happen, which didn't happen, I thought they were going to get to eternity, defeat Gore, and the one wish Thor would use to save Jane. And that's not what happened. I mean, I would yeah. have liked Mighty Thor to stick around, but what actually does happen is a much better ending. And it's Thor once again showing that he's matured as a person. And he's like, don't waste this. Like, the most important thing is love. You love your daughter. You can bring her back. 
and he does. He brings his daughter back. He dies, but before he dies, he asks Thor to look out for her, and Thor gives the nod. And yeah, I thought that was the perfect way to resolve all of this because we've said that Gore is not a mustache twirling villain. Like he's been corrupted by the sword. But ultimately, for him, it was all about what happened to him and his daughter, losing his daughter, and because of that, wanting revenge. And then instead of pursuing revenge, he turns to love. That worked for me. I really, yeah, I really did no, that like nice. that. You know, before watching the film, I was listening to an interview with Tyka and Hemsworth, and then Tyka started getting into, he's like, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised right. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised about what the title means and who it's actually talking about. It's probably mm. not what people think. And I stopped the interview. I stopped the video because I'm like, nope, he might accidentally say something here. And I might go in with versions of what I think it's going to be. Um, but for the most part, you're going to think Thor and Jane. It's a love story and it's them coming back together. But when you find out that it's actually about your it's actually about Thor finding a new purpose, starting a family, him being a parent. I did not see that coming at all. It's 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 crazy. Like you're right. Like this movie very much is a love story. You know, like I mean, a rom com because of all the comedy. But it, it does have the central love thing in the you know throughout the whole film because of the jane and thor rekindling and all that kind of magical gush um which is which is cool but i mean thematically throughout this film i mean it starts off with thor trying to find his identity he's he he's lost his purpose he, he need, and we keep getting the question keeps getting asked you know like what's his purpose now what and then obviously the plot kicks in all this stuff distractions jane or blah 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 and like you said you know we think that the end result is going to be like thor and jane they're gonna you know everything's gonna be fun like they'll they'll make the wish and she'll be all good and yay everything's all nicely packaged but then it's like no that's a true loss that this movie actually has and i'm sure we'll see her again at some point multiverse i don't know um but yeah like thematically with there's also a lot of mention of like family and children like even jane and you know jane and thor do have conversations about like or, or people have conversations <laughs> regarding them about like you know like could they have ever had kids or at some point down the line you know like she would have like she wanted to blah 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 and you know even valkyrie and core were talking about you know like parentage and you know love and eventually family and all that so like throughout this movie it's always brought up it's not like oh just suddenly at the end it actually all makes there's a through line of all of these little themes which i thought really paid off because at the end of it when you do get oh the movie ends thor's a dad yeah that's his purpose like that's so the, the the initial question at the start of the movie was answered what is his purpose now What's his new identity? Like, this is it. His kid. I mean, it's Gore's kid, but, you know, it's his now. You know, in a way. I mean, I like how she referred to him as Uncle Thor. I was like, cool. So <laughs> yeah. He still knows who his, 
who her dad is and all that kind yep. of stuff. Um, interesting behind the scenes thing. I apologize if this is your trivia, um, but India, um, Chris Hemsworth and Elsa Pataki's real life kid is love. That's who. Yeah. I was is. I was going to mention it, but not as um, not as part of my trivia. I was just Fair going to enough. say it before you did. But it's also mentioned as well, thanks. It's a real family affair. I mean, his wife also appears in the film as the wolf woman, who was one of That's Thor's right, past yes. lovers. And Hemsworth's twin sons, Sasha and Tristan, portray Thor as a child. So there you go. It's a real family affair, and I'm pretty sure Tyker's kids are in it as well. So I think I think even not? Natalie Portman's kid. Is also one of the one of the uh, the kids, but out of Hemsworth's kids, his daughter India is actually acting and playing a part, and yeah, and as you say, is a character, she, and yep, will and be she, a character going forward. I'm guessing she's love and he's thunder. Perfect. That's it. That yeah. was and that was the moment, and it's just like, and it's 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 so great to have like Korg's narration, and they were just known as. Love and thunder, and you're just like, Perfect. oh, like that light bulb moment, like, oh, it all makes sense. Well, do you know what? And, and the scene, the scene was set up so well. We've got kids. I've got young kids in school. It sounded as though he was getting her ready for school, but no, <laughs> he was getting her ready for battle. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, I like how she had her outburst of like her like. I don't know what power it is, but whatever she's channeling inside and like it blasted well, it's Thor into like power the... from eternity, isn't it? So I don't, yeah, I don't quite understand guess, yeah. what a power is. Well, yeah, because, she's yeah. also referred to as like born from eternity. It's like, yeah. Well, she died. I mean, there's eternity some... brought her back. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. You know, whatever they do with Thor after this, as long as Gore's daughter is with him, I'll be happy. <laughs> and that's what I was saying before, like there's elements of this film, like my kids would generally like, like this character and leaping into battle alongside a superhero with an awesome song playing. You're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. I mean, like going into this movie, I was like, okay, we're gonna, you know, and then thinking about, okay, what's to come later on? It was like, okay, cool. This movie's going to introduce the mighty Thor. And that's going to be like, you know, Thor's sidekick, you know, because everyone everyone gets a sidekick in their movies now. Like <laughs> in this phase, everyone's getting like a like a a partner or just an, a little friend. And I thought that's where we would be at the end of this movie, but no, it's like just shoehorned in, like not shoehorned. I shouldn't use that word, but just out of nowhere again. Shouldn't use that word. <laughs> it's a different character. What I'm trying to say, it's a different character, yeah, but it yeah. works. And I'm like, whoa, who the hell saw that coming? Well, it's, it's a, in the title. It's in the it is title. In the title <laughs> but it's a character who died in the opening moments of the film. Ah, uh, yeah. So you watch the opening scene and you go, "Do you know what? I reckon that dead girl will be the like." You don't. You can't even predict that. That's that's insane. Yeah, I. What a what a way to end the film. I really did. Yeah, I really did like the ending. And, you know, being a parent, I don't know, like it really spoke to me. I've I, I found, you know, we talked about this before when viewing film, TV now, like from the perspective of being a parent, it does change your perspective on things. You know, all the kids having powers in this and then having Gore's daughter at the end. What's her name? 
we need to stop calling her Gore's daughter. I'm sure she's actually got love. a name. But name is Love. Is her name actually Love? Her name? Well, I, I mean, I mean, his name's Love. Not, his name's That's... not Thor. Well, his name is Thor. Sorry, his name well, isn't I mean, Thunder. Well, Gore, like whenever Gore referred to her or spoke to her, he referred to her as like my love or or something like that. And then, oh, maybe that, obviously yeah. called just like obviously gave them their name, you know, Love and Thunder. So I mean, yeah, at I this think point, you're right, actually, her yeah, name is Love. That's all we've got. And they um, couldn't exactly call it Thor, Love and Thor. It wouldn't have the same. Ring to it, so <laughs> love, yeah, and Thor. Thor, love and Thor, Thor love and Thor. <laughs> Say Thor, oh, love and Thor works. like seven times and see what it gets, happens. It gets difficult. Well, okay, then let's talk about. Well, talk some more about the mid-credit scene. We find that Zeus isn't dead, and he's no longer being comedic. He's angry. He's angry that people are looking up but are no longer looking up for the gods like they used to. They're looking out for superheroes. And Thor in particular, Zeus is pissed and he's talking to somebody. And I'm like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then we find out it's Brett Goldstein appearing as Zeus's son, Hercules. I've got to be honest, I involuntary, I swore. I didn't mean to do it. It really caught me by surprise. I mean, the character of Hercules had been referenced by Thor already in the film. But the casting, I am absolutely here for the casting. This actor is excellent, known as Roy Kent in Ted Lasso. Great in that show. And moving forward, he's going to be the big screen Hercules. Are you Mental. as excited? I mean, look, I'll have to. I have to admit, I like. I I don't know this actor. I mean, I looked him up after the fact, and I was like, okay, Ted Lasso, cool. Um, I have not yet gotten around to checking that out, though, even though it's ready to go. Um, so I didn't know who he was. Um, right. for me, watching this post-credit scene, it was sort of like, oh yeah, Hercules. <laughs> oh sense. mate, honestly, Makes I sense. was so so excited. And then I was thinking back to all those images I saw of him at the premiere. Oh, okay. Kind of makes sense now. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it wasn't it wasn't a situation, isn't it, to, to be in when now? Uh, yeah. yeah. Do we invite him or not? Do we spoil the... Yeah, I invite him. Yeah. I just thought it was a plus one. But no, he is <laughs> Hercules. And in the comics, Hercules has been an Avenger. Oh, mate, it just opens up so many doors. And having another god on earth other than thor it's just going to be interesting if it's if it's going to be a more serious film that we next see these two characters in but brett goldstein like he's more than ted lasso you know he's a writer producer actor he did that british superhero film years and years ago with Catherine tate super bob Uh, he was in the ricky gervais tv show Derek. He's been working okay, sure. for a very long time and, you know, Ted Lasso onwards, it's really good seeing him get so much recognition. But um, yeah, this is um, cool casting. It seems to be the go-to thing for MCU now, doesn't it? Like we got a new... Like cast, casting announcements yeah, casting in the post announcements. Yeah, yeah, instead of teasing like what's coming up in the next film, they'll, yeah, they'll have like a casting announcement. 
Um, I won't spoil recent ones just in case people have not seen those movies, but it, it seems to be... Yeah, like at the end of Eternals, at the end of Doctor Strange, there are, I guess, yeah, new actor reveals in new characters that we see. But it is good, though, like just the fresh blood, like new characters, new actors, not just, you know, for the Disney Plus TV shows, on the big screen as well. So, yeah, the, the inclusion of Hercules, I thought, was fantastic. And then we get the post credit scene, Idris Elba, wearing a wig, greeting Jane Foster. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Welcome to Valhalla. Yeah. That's probably not it what was, he said. Um, it was, well, it's pretty <laughs> he said. But it, it's very similar, if not the same. But no, that was um, that was cool. Like We'd heard mention of Heimdall, spent time with his son Axel in the film and getting to see him at the end. Honestly, this will not be the end of the Mighty Four. We'll see her. We'll see her again. But it's like, what are the rules? How does it work? Like, once you're once you're dead and in Valhalla, do you can you communicate? Can you go back? Can you get well, a it's day same, pass? It's, well, it's, like, it's, it's Viking heaven, isn't it? But I've read Thor comics in the past, and Valhalla has been destroyed, and people have like evacuated Valhalla. That's been the story point. You evacuate Valhalla, so then yeah. But whether people whether people went to Know, back down to earth or to the underworld you know so it, it could be a yeah anyway there's there's so many ways that they could have jane foster return you know we've we've kind of stopped talking about jokes for a while so what about the the reoccurring gag that korg has where he keeps getting jane's name wrong hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yeah jane fonda jodie jane foster. foster yeah jodie foster yeah i mean oh, but then know. at the end you know, like when he uh, he's fine on Ration and he's like, I want to tell you about the the you know the the story of Jane Foster. And oh, he says it correctly, me. and it's yeah, like yes, it works. It it really does it, work, Cole. doesn't it? Yeah, did it. Yeah, that is a nice moment, actually. Damn it. Yeah. Ruined my point mm. with with the <laughs> jokes. That works. You know, I've said that apparently they shot a four-hour movie, they released a two-hour movie, some confirmed cutscenes involved Jeff Goldblum and Peter Dinklage. They were both set to reprise their roles as Grandmaster from Thor Ragnarok and Etri from Avengers Infinity War. But their scenes were cut from the theatrical release. Lena Headey was also set to appear in the film, but her scenes were also removed. We don't actually know who she was playing. And I'm mm. sure there's more examples of that. If they literally cut the movie in half, and that's the runtime we get. It's it's crazy to think like like they actually filmed like they, they, it's not just like oh look yeah we 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 didn't use half the footage of the scenes that we did film but it's like these were specific film like specific scenes with these actors and and not just like you know, like some random everyday kind of actors that just sort of popped up. It's, it's like Jeff Goldblum and Peter Dinklage. Like, big names, you know? Like It's it's madness to think, hey, we got him in. Even if it was like, hey, we got him in for a day and we did some stuff and it's like, oh, we just didn't want to use it. I mean, that probably shows that I was like, look, the scenes weren't needed and they put making what they believed to be the best film based on what they need and they didn't just put ah oh, look we filmed it we paid jeff goldblum let's put his scenes in but it's so, expensive isn't it like i commend shooting them for that yeah i'm but- like they obviously made 
cred for yes what a they, cost they 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 shot a four-hour film and they released a two-hour film i mean just having a look right so the budget of this movie was 250 million i recently did a review for sounds like comics of the punisher film from 2004 the budget of that film which granted is a very different thing to what this is but it's still a movie adapted from marvel comics that had a budget of 33 million just bringing it up for comparison the budget of this movie, which is pretty standard of a film of this size, but still, you know, in the early noughties, Marvel films, and Kevin Feige was a producer on that film. Marvel it's, films in the early noughties, 33 million for that one. I think it's almost like it's almost like they made a Disney Plus show and then went, you know what, this would work better as a two-hour movie. Let's trim it. <laughs> and then they actually <laughs> did it. Um, and maybe they should do that with some of their Disney Plus shows. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. Um, well, all right, then. Let's um, let's rate this. If you're going to rate Thor, Love and Thunder out of five. Oh, man. I mean, my wife today even asked me, she was like, what are you going to rate it? You know, when you when you get on there with Luke and you have a chat, what are you, you going to rate? And I was like, you know what? I don't know. Until I actually talk it out and get everything off my chest. Um, the truth is, like I said, at the top there, you know, like I had a good time watching it. I walked out of the cinema, like I was like, man, that was fun. I had a good time. I was laughing, I was smiling. Um, I enjoyed the story. Overall, I did. I had a good time. Um, and therefore that makes me go, yes, I I liked the movie. I enjoyed the movie. Now, for the critical side of it, there's too many freaking jokes, <laughs> which again goes against the point that I had a good time. I'm just worried rewatching it. I'm, it's not going to feel the same because I'm like, okay, the jokes aren't going to land as much because I'm like, yeah, I've heard them. The jokes are also very, like, they're they're pretty silly. They they come from a sort of a like an immature kind of stupid kind of sense of humor, which works because I'm sitting there and I'm being an idiot and I'm just having a good time. Um, but it it took away things that really could have elevated this movie because there's so much, like we just spoke about the thematics of this film and how there's such a strong through line and a big payoff and it's like, holy shit, that's amazing. But no one's going to be talking about that stuff because they're going to talk about how funny this movie is and how, you know, those goats and <laughs> like, and Mighty Thor is pretty, okay, no, that's pretty cool. But like, they, they're going to be talking about the wrong stuff in this movie i mean they're all valid things to talk about and and enjoy and praise but it's like there's so much other good stuff here that's just gonna be ignored or didn't have time to be elevated and be on display in its full glory that you would have seen in previous marvel movies because the humor is just so engrossing over the whole film it, it takes over um and look, I could go into more about how, like, oh, look, there was one shot there that didn't look that top-notch. You know, CGI wasn't that the best. But look, overall, had a really good time. But, oh, man, like, there's just tonally what a mess, which is a weird place to be. So I'm going to come in 3.5 out of 5. And I don't even really know how I landed on that number. It just feels... <laughs> it just seems positive enough, but still... Oh, so much room to fix. So much, so much stuff that can be that can be worked on with this. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, my one sentence review: fun, hilarious, and silly. Should that be what a Thor film is? 
<laughs> I, mean, I don't oh, know. That's that's the question of the day, man. <laughs> I mean, as I'm watching it, right, I did have the thought. Now, I'm a comic book guy. My wife isn't at all. But as I was watching it, I had the realisation that she will enjoy this film a lot more than I am. And that's kind of, I think, that's what it is. Like, it, yes, there is so many jokes in it, but it's like they've made this film for the widest audience possible. And, you know, mm. you need to. You're spending, you know, $250 million on a film. You want to guarantee your return then some. You know, you want to reach the widest audience possible. But... I don't know. That was, I just had that thought, and and she's not seen it yet, and, and she'll she'll love it. I know she will. Like she's a big fan of Taika Waititi, like we both are. Um, but she, you know, she'll really like what what this movie is. But for me, yeah, like you and most people, there's just too many jokes. There is way too many jokes, <laughs> and it's like you, it's it's a film where it goes like one way. It delivers so well on on the drama, on the stakes. Like, and Christian Bale as Gore is fantastic in this. But then you've got, you know, the humour with the screaming jokes. You've got pretty much everything Korg is saying. Um, Bro Thor. Mighty Thor is great. Um, yeah, it is tonally all over the place. But like you, though, going to the movies, sitting down, I did have a good time with this. Like, there's no denying it's an entertaining, fun film. But I'm going to come in the same as you. I'm also going to come in at a 3.5. I really, I liked your point about, like, that this is this has been made for the widest audience possible. Um, I mean, like, there, I, a lady at work who, she's in her 40s and she had seen this and I was like, oh, well, what did you think? She basically, she was not interested in having any sort of discussion to the level that we would or even close to that. All she said was like, yeah, it was funny. I saw Chris Hemsworth's ass and, uh, yeah, so loved it. Cool. There you go. Cool. Good chat. Good <laughs> chat. All yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's, that's what I, that's what I mean. That's it. Though. Like, if it's somebody like, just wants to be. It's, it's enjoyable. People yeah. are laughing and. You saw his butt. If somebody wants to be entertained for two hours, this is the movie for them. And it's like, that's okay. A movie should be allowed to be there. I mean, that's why comedies are made. That's why dumb action movies are made. Or, you know, even movies of substance and quality and all that kind of stuff. Like, not to say those movies aren't, but, you know, that's why these films exist. So people can just have a good time. We're obviously coming at it, you know, like, does it fit in with the rest of, you know, like the other 28 movies or whatever number we're up to now? 29, yeah. 29, yeah. <laughs> so the other 28 movies and, the, you know, like the six television shows or streaming shows. And it's like, yeah, does it have its place? Is it, Alana, did the characters progress the way we've seen them? And we have all these questions and nitpicks and, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty bonkers. <laughs> and that's it. We're reviewing. Nah, you know, we're talking about the good things, the bad things. But if someone was like, just give me a straight answer. Did you like it? I did, yeah. Would you watch it again? Yeah, Absolutely. I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Can't anyway. wait. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, um, as always, we like to close out on some trivia. One scene has Thor and Korg stare at the body. Nope, that's not it. That was the wrong bit of trivia. 
The ship Thor, Jane Foster and Valkyrie use to go after Gore has a nod towards a Tom Cruise film. The neon light over the cabin of the ship is called Cocktails and Dreams. This is what the bar is called that Tom Cruise opens at the end of the movie Cocktail. Wow. <laughs> Cocktail <laughs> also starring an Australian, Brian Brown. All right. I feel like I would be more amazed and wowed by that trivia if I had ever heard of Cocktail ever before in my life. I've never heard of that. Get movie. out of here. It's no, on Disney+. What, Plus. what is that? Cocktail? It's where Tom Cruise plays, uh, you know, he's a, a young barman mixing cocktails with Brian Brown. Check it out, man. It's on, I mean, it's yeah, on Disney+. That sounds, Plus. Like, oh, that sounds wow. like what you had described. This no, trivia no, yeah. is, is wasted on you. But again, it's another gag. All right, then. Let me end on this piece of trivia. This oh, film cool. is the fourth time Matt Damon has played a version of Loki after Thor Ragnarok, Dogma, and Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Madness. There you go. He has, so two I bet, scenes. I mean, he has two scenes in this movie. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but I've just realised for this um, MCU movie, my trivia... One is Tom Cruise related and the other is Kevin Smith related. There we go. Well, oh, that's you could say fun. you could say Matt Damon related, but you know what is that's fine. <laughs> oh, do you know what? No Loki in this movie. The first time. Ah, that's true. First Although without Loki. Thor does have a Loki tattoo. Which mm. is a mistake because oh. you know Loki's oh. alive. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell? Ah. How did he even tattoo his skin? Anyway, I'm sure he did it on New Asgard. Well, that is it for our review of Thor, Love and Thunder. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film Studio Podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, we recently reviewed Lightyear and keep an eye out for our next review, The Black Phone. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon. Bye.